Welcome to the Renovating Riches Podcast. Entrepreneurs from Houston teaching you everything they know about entrepreneurship and real estate with the best guests in the real estate industry. Subscribe today on all major platforms and gear up for another episode of Renovating Riches. Welcome to a Renovating Riches Radio podcast today with a special guest that uh, drove from Austin, Texas, man. Thank you so much for coming, Nick. I appreciate yeah, man. you. Thanks for having me on. All right. So, who is Nick, man? Where do you come from? Social Security number, that kind of deal, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. So, I uh, came from very middle class family. Uh, parents divorced at a you know, really young age. Uh, my dad. My biological dad never had really any money. My stepfather was, um, you know, in the CIA, so grew oh, up wow. in, grew up in a CIA household. Um, you know, when I was you know fourteen, uh, wasn't doing too good in the strict CIA environment. So my mom booted me out to go live with my dad, and my dad, you know, he was a landscaper, right? So wow. you know, he had you know was just trying to make ends meet. You know, we were living in the hood, didn't have uh, you know any any money. I was sleeping on the couch. Um, you know, had to get, figure out like, well, you know, there's no food in the fridge. We need to, uh, I need to eat. I need some money. I need some lunch money. So I uh, started learning uh, the value of work ethic at a pretty young age. As soon as I could get a job at 14, I got a job and um, I think I was bagging groceries and, you know, I kind of came up from there. Man, that's what you were doing so well because you were, you were put in a situation at an early age of, like literally your back is against the wall and and you weren't waiting for your father to to provide for you you're like how can i help actually the situation around the house right you know by getting a job and and, and making something happen so that's pretty admirable uh i i started working young as well um i was a little younger than than you were but uh it's because i really wanted to like be like my dad i would see my dad dressed up with a suit and all that and i was like dad i want to go get a suit and go to work with you and I, I think I started when I was eight. Um, and, and it wasn't a formal job, right? It was like me helping out around the office or whatnot. Um, but what you did is uh, uh, pretty, uh, you know, outstanding. Like most kids that age, they don't even think about getting a job. You know, they're thinking about playing sports or, or dating or doing drugs or whatever the case might be, right? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, when you go in – when you don't have any any lunch money and you're not going to get any lunch money and you're not going to eat you got you got to figure out real quick okay well yeah this is sustainable and then you start seeing you know other kids in school have nicer clothes than you yeah. nicer shoes things like that you know um you get resourceful and yeah that's what i did you know i just started working at so, you, so you started working basically on landscaping with your father right <clears throat> no i started working at uh dollar tree okay yeah i was uh i was a clerk at the dollar tree yeah right. 14 years old i was running the dollar tree at 15 you know, I was a store manager there um, and uh, did that for a while. And then I got a job in a call center, actually, when I was 16. So I got my first little dose of sales experience. Okay. I'd work after school and then on the weekends, uh, every Saturday, Sunday, every you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday after school. I did that till I was about 17. Then I was a, a manager at a cell phone store. Um, I went in as associate. They promoted me to manager. So I've always had like a, a strong ability to sell. 
yeah. um, which has served me well. You know, I think that just comes from, you know, having that hustler's mentality back up in, against the wall. Like, hey, right. we got to do what we got to do to, you know, make ends meet. Okay. And um, so what city is this? Uh, this was in uh, Leesburg, Virginia. It was right outside of Washington, D.C. So a, small, a small suburb? or Small suburb, yep. Uh, not a lot going on there. You know, I got it, got involved with the, the wrong wrong crew at an early age, right? Like, you know, I didn't have much, um, you know, support in terms of, like, your know, family structure and things in high school. So, you know, started hanging out with the wrong people, you know, doing a lot of bad things, selling right. drugs, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who I was and how I was going to come up and got mixed up with the wrong crew, was getting get myself in a lot of trouble in high school. You know, got kicked out of school, uh, you know, put in, put in jail, the whole nine. Had to learn, you know, everything the hard way. Good deal, man. And, and uh, so when you got kicked out of high school, were you able to finish high school out of high school or did you ever get a GED or? I was very fortunate. I found, like, an alternative high school that allowed you to do all your classes on the computer. Okay. And so I would have to go to the this, you know, like, uh, private high school and sit in a cubicle and that's where I, where I did my entire, like, half my junior year and full senior year. But because they let you do it at your own pace, and I was motivated to just work and not sit in school, I blitzed through my entire, like, junior and senior year. And yeah, like, man, I got to get this shit done. In, like, eight boom, weeks, boom, boom. two months, and got the whole school year done. So wow. once I did that, I was able to work full time. Um, and uh, that – then they let me uh, walk the stage at my high school graduation. So I wow. still got the diploma and everything, but they said, hey, we don't want you coming here every day. Wow. Yeah, yeah they'd rather keep you away from it. Yeah, like you're not coming back. So. That's good, man. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't good back then, but it's good now, right? Because it made you the person you are today. Uh, it's, it's part of that growing up and 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 going through a lot of adversity and, and also being exposed to the wrong crowds right um i was I, I grew up not as similar as you did because I, I grew up in venezuela and our thing was drinking like we we were just out very i started drinking when i was 12 right so right. i was an alcoholic by the time i was 15 and literally we will drink every freaking day i don't know what we were celebrating to be honest with you but it was just the thing to do Oh, we were the same way. I mean, yeah, we'd scrounge up all our money, go get a dirty cube of beer at the grocery store with a fake ID, yeah. skip school. You know, we'd be drunk at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. And, yeah, it was, it was crazy reckless. We'd always end up, you know, getting into some trouble. One of us end up in the hospital or jail. It was not, not a productive uh, yeah. environment. But I guess you consider it fun, right? So you were just having fun. Now, you know, it's, it's just a way of looking at things. So you graduated high school, got your diploma. And then what do you, you know, what was your trajectory after that? Yeah, well, you know, I I didn't have the grades to really get into college or anything like that. That was out of the cards for me. So, yeah, I started getting my act together when I was, like, going through that period of my senior year because I didn't have anybody watching over me. I, I was tired of getting in trouble. So I really started looking at, like, hey, what do I want to do with my life? I played sports in high school before they kicked me out of there. And, I, you know, when they kicked me out and I wasn't able to play sports, I started going to the gym every day. That became, you know – something that started getting me back on the right track okay right and so that became very important in my life you know 16 to 18 years old and um i decided like you know what this is this is something i'm passionate about it's a healthy outlet for you know for myself so i went to school to go be a personal trainer so i went to a six month long like personal training college came out of that and uh 
got a job personal training, and I did that for like five years. Plus, you got to see a lot of beautiful women at the gym, and, and you know, that yeah. kind of deal, right? So yeah. It, I, your networking was a little different, right? 100%. So, yeah, I got to work at, you know, some really nice uh, – facilities i did in-home personal training and then eventually uh sports and sports and conditioning camps so okay yeah so you're really a professional when it comes to um the i guess the fitness industry or were a professional back then yeah right I now mean, you just exercise but uh you're not running a gym anymore or anything like that no right now it's mental like you know back then i was you know i was competitive i did like competitive like men's physique I was NPC, nationally qualified with the NPC and things like that. Okay. Um, so that, that was life. You know, my life revolved around. How long did you do that for? Uh, I did that from like 18 to 23. Okay. I kind of hit a wall in there where I was making, you know, okay money. I was making like 60 grand a year. Right. Which is like capping out for the, yeah, as a full-time yeah. personal trainer. And I was working a ridiculous amount of hours, you know, getting up at five o'clock in the morning for, you know, five thirty clients. And then, you know, uh, doing personal training until two, three o'clock in the afternoon, eat lunch, get back for four o'clock clients. And then you'd be done personal training at 11 o'clock at night, 10, wow. 11 o'clock at night. You're sleeping four or five hours. Yeah. And weekends too, you know, it never stopped. So, you know, I was like, there's gotta be a better way to make money. And, um, I knew that, you know, commission was the way to go, right? You're not going to you know, be trading dollars for hours. Um, so one of my clients, he was actually a, uh, he owned a, you know, a bunch of franchises and things like that. And he had uh, just started a frozen yogurt franchise, like the make your own cup of right. frozen yogurt. He's like, Hey, this, uh, franchise, this franchise is growing pretty fast. I could probably introduce you to the president and get you in to, um, you know, help them out. They're looking for, you know, people to sell the franchises, help open the stores. And so had an introductory call, landed that job. And that was, uh, you know, the start of like kind of the next chapter of my life. Well, what year is this? This is like 2011. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so you went and started selling franchises and setting them up pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to open a frozen yogurt store here in Houston, I'd sell it to you and then take you through the whole step of the way all the way till you get your store open. And then I'd come to Houston, help you train your employees, get your, your store up and running and make sure that you were, you were, you know, uh, up and profitable. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that show you a lot about systems and 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 processes, pretty much, because that's what a franchise is all about. That was my first exposure to like real entrepreneurship, right? Because the the franchisees that I'm working with, these guys are you know battle tested entrepreneurs that own you know 50 Popeyes, you know 100 Dominoes, things like that. Yeah. So by spending time with those people, that's what really started to develop like an entrepreneurial muscle yeah. in me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually know a guy that that owns a uh, hundred plus Wendy's, and and he's got that. That's just one of the things that he does. He's he's got a bunch of other ones. Yeah. So when I started getting around those guys, that's when I realized like, hey, this is where the real opportunity lies. You got to own your own business, and you know, work on you know building yourself up as an entrepreneur. So that that's really where like the entrepreneurial bug hit me hard. So the bug hits you because now you're seeing this ultra successful people that own all these franchises that they're, they're literally printing money. Right. Uh, they're making a ton of money every month. And it's kind of like residual because once it's there, it's until you get rid of it or you die or you run it down for whatever reason. Um, but the life, the lifespan of those is, is pretty lengthy if you're managing them well. Um, why do you start like studying yourself? Like, 
how, did you pick up a book or did you start listening to, I don't know, certain tapes? How was that? Because, yeah, one thing is being exposed to it, but the next thing is to grow yourself as an entrepreneur. Well, how was you, that? I guess, that, that step? <clears throat> Yeah, I think it started earlier than that, kind of take you back to when I was getting in a lot of trouble and I knew I had to stop getting you know, drinking and getting myself in trouble right. in the in the high school years. Yeah, quit smoking pot, quit drinking, started getting myself into the gym. And then, you know, I didn't know anything about personal development. This was kind of like before YouTube and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I was going to the library and getting CDs of like, you know, Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and things like that. Yep. And I would listen to those on my freaking uh, CD player. But how, how do you find CD out player. about them is the question. Because, you know, I, I'm a little older than you are, but I'm not much of a uh, – our age gap is not that that huge. I was exposed to it because of my father. So my father was in sales, and he will pop in Tony Robbins. He will pop in Zig Ziglar. And I was like, Dad, that's boring. Put some Guns N' Roses or something, right? Right, right. But he's like, no, son, like, this is, like, fuel for my brains. I'm a sales guy, so, you know, I got to be there. So that's how I knew about it. But I don't think if I would have been exposed to my dad, I would have never found out about these people. So how do you come across, like, knowing, hey, this is Tony Robbins or this is, you know, Jim yeah. Ron? Like, was there, was there somebody that said, hey, man, this is, these are good people to, to look up to? Or No, I'm, you know, like, when – when I was young, like, I always knew, like, hey, this is – I'm destined for great things in my life, and I want to do great in my life. And when I was lost in that mess of, like, adolescence – You didn't know if you were, were going to be a huge drug dealer or a, or or, a huge entrepreneur. Exactly. You're going to make it big regardless. <laughs> right. But in my own desperation to kind of get myself out of the confusion of adolescence and the freaking mess of the legal system, yeah. um, you know, I was, you know, going to the gym every day, trying to figure out, you know, how to how to make myself better and so i think i went to the library one day and went to the stumbled into the personal development section section okay and then you know i saw some interesting titles and i was like hey i'm gonna pick this up and that kind of started the self-growth process because i didn't have anybody to lead me right like my my mom didn't live in the same my family didn't live in the same town as me my dad who's great i love him he you know he's he's always been there for me but at that time he's working non-stop making yeah, he's making, trying to make a buck to survive make a buck to survive so he wasn't there as much as you know i wish he was um and so i had to take the initiative upon myself to Man, go out good, and find good for you find better um i think that's what happens to a lot of people that they have the 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 desire they can have the drive but they don't have the guidance um and if if they don't have somebody to point them and that's why i ask you you know how do you find out about it because if somebody said oh ricardo came and gave me a book or introduced me to this new section you know and that changed my life on your case you actually did it on your own which is pretty admirable yeah, and um, I mean, this was before before the internet, too. Yeah. Now all you got to do, if you want anything, get on your phone. That's get it. Get on your laptop, <laughs> and you can find endless amount of information. It's within two seconds you'll have more information that you can digest. Correct. In the next 10 minutes. Uh, in your case, you had to dig for the library and then sort of find yourself on the self-development, you know, area. And then said, huh, maybe this title here picks my interest. I'll pick this book up and, and read it. What was the first book you uh, remember reading? Um, I know I read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad right. 
at a very early age. I listened to that audio book on my uh, compact disc, portable compact disc player. Um, I read that one. Um, The um, Richest Man in Babylon. Great book. Yeah, that was at the library. Uh, I think Tony Robbins' Awaken the Power Within. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a very early one. Uh, and I mean, there were so many more. Yeah, you know, I kind of got on, on that, and and that's what helped you know fuel that growth mindset that led me into better things. And I still continue to that to this day. I never stop learning. I'm oh, constantly on a quest. Gr- growing and and reading and learning, it's like taking a shower. You gotta do it on a daily basis. Right. If, right. If you don't, if you quit doing it, then you stop. You're gonna get stalled at some point. It's just good um, mental hygiene. It's yep. great mental hygiene, um, and it's you know exercising is, is another one. You know you gotta do it all the time. Um, so, anyways, you start picking up these books at the library, and now you're selling franchises, right? Or right. actually, you started picking this up earlier. Yep. Know? And then you know I was a personal trainer. You know, then I I was able to connect with people from a lot of the personal development that I did. And then you know landed a did job you, with the franchise. Did you attend any seminars? No, I didn't have any you know enough money or time to go attend any seminars. Right. Yeah. I I actually uh, attended. So I read a book called uh, Secrets of the of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. Yeah, great book. And one day I get an email from um, I don't know somehow I ended up on their email distribution list. T. Harv Eker will be in Houston teaching the 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 Millionaire Mind principles, and I was like. That dude is my idol, man. I got to go see him. And then I go to the seminar, and he's not there. Right, right. There's right. a bunch of other people pitching a bunch of other stuff. But it was actually a great seminar. I made a bunch of friends um, that worked at, at that company at the time. It was called New Peaks, I believe it was. Now it's called Success Resources. And this podcast actually was born out of that seminar. I took, like, a series of, series of classes afterwards, and one of the uh, one of the guys was pitching on how he can teach people to do a podcast and like why should everybody have a podcast? When I bought his program, I didn't buy it for me. I bought it for my mother, who actually had a lot of followers. And I was like, Mom, you should give your message to to your followers and on all this. And my sister and my mom did the class, but they didn't do anything with it for like a year. When I got into the real estate space and we started wanting to convey a message i actually reached out to my sister and i was like hey do you guys still have the login and the password for that podcast thing that i bought like two years ago and she's like yeah so i went and read it and boom here we are um so it's kind of crazy how the universe takes you through a whole different path uh and and that was on, on my case how i you know ended up with a podcast it was because i was exposed to a seminar on personal development yeah yeah so all right, so you went to the franchise thing. What happened? So, you know, I, I don't know if any of you guys remember, like, the self-serve frozen yogurt craze where you go in and you put the toppings on yeah. and you weigh it on yeah. the scale. Like, that was hot back in, like, 2011 to 2014. That was still hot for me, like, a couple of years ago when I was eating, you know, sugar every freaking day. Yeah, in those three years, I mean, everybody was mortgaging their house to open up a yogurt franchise, yeah. right? And then it the fad died right around 2014 and so you know i was starting to see a lot of gaps in you know my store openings and sales and things like that and i knew that the franchisor was going to be making a pivot into actually another industry they're going to go do like a pizza concept or something like that and so i was like well you know what i'm kind of uh coming up on the end of my lease here 
you know, it, with this roommate situation, I just broke up with like a you know, two year long girlfriend. And so I'm starting to think like, all right, well, what's my next move? Where was right? this at? This is in Northern Virginia. Still in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, what's, what's my next move going to be? I'm like, I, I desperately want it out of Northern Virginia. Um, because it's just, it's a very, you know, federal government, you know, sterile place to live. Traffic's bad. Weather's bad. People are bad. So, right. um, I, I went and, you know, I had like five grand saved up. Yeah. The morale, the, the, the morale, I guess the environment creates a lot of morale for, for people that live in, it's like Seattle, man. I mean, Seattle is a beautiful city, but if you spend enough time in seattle it becomes depressing because it's gray all the time it's raining all the time when it snows it's nasty and there, it, actually per capita seattle is the city with most suicide rate uh um attempts in the united states right right so i cannot actually understand what you're saying you're like man i'm tired of this place uh i gotta move out of here people are rude uh i don't i hate the snow i don't know yeah Even all you the above in it, right all the above um yeah, and so I knew that you know, this is an opportunity for me to leave. If I have five grand in my name, I'm like, man, this is going to be a gutsy move to transition to another city. And fortunately, through uh, you know opening the frozen yogurt shops, I got to see most of the major U.S. cities. And so out of the, all of them, you know, I was thinking like, where should I move? Maybe San Diego, maybe somewhere in you know, Florida. What about um, Texas? I actually looked at Houston and then Austin. I mean, I thought about this pretty, pretty. Pretty hard. Pretty hard, yeah. I had a spreadsheet the whole night. Anyways, I chose Austin, Texas. You know, good food, good weather, good economy, good-looking women. Yeah. The, the whole nine. So I uh, put everything in the back of my, you know, beat-up Mazda 3 and uh, called an apartment locator and said, get me as close to downtown as you can for a 1000 bucks a month. Right. Didn't have any furniture or anything. Drove down to Austin and about this time, like six and a half years ago. Or, yeah, six years ago, I moved um, March 1st of 2014 okay. down to Austin. So, um, you know, drove down to an empty apartment. Got and, you an air uh, mattress. I, yeah, I slept on an air mattress uh, with no furniture, just my clothes. Uh, no job, no friends. And, uh, you know, had to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life. You know what? It's kind of funny because uh, when I when I get on, got in the oil field back in 2005, um, I was making decent money, but I rented an apartment, and I was never there. I was always working offshore, and I had the money to buy furniture and whatever, but I chose not to do it. So I had a one-bedroom apartment. It was probably seven or 800 square feet, big living room, had a nice kitchen, and all I had was a bed. Now, I did have an air mattress at the beginning, so I mm -hmm. upgraded to a bed that I went and hustle at the mattress store, I guess somebody returned a king size bed or whatnot, and they gave me a deal for like two hundred bucks. I was like, "Come on, I took it." And and, and my friends would go in the apartment. Say, like, "Dude, where's your furniture? Like, where's the TV?" And I was like, "I don't need any of that stuff, man." When I bring the girls, man, they come here, they look at it. The only place they can sit down is right there on my bed. And so why would I want to put furniture here? It makes it harder for me to take him there. Right. So right. that was the strategy. Yeah. Pretty much. Later on, I put furniture and all that. But uh, it kind of like took me back to your place. I was yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. he was bringing ladies to the freaking apartment, guess what? They're just going on the mattress. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they'd be super sketched out right at the beginning. Yeah. What the hell is this guy? What's, what's going on here? But yeah. Yeah. at that point, they know, you know? Right. So yeah. anyways, all right. So you moved to Austin, man. Uh, and 
by the way, five grand um, might not seem like a lot of money today, but if you pace yourself right, five grand can take you pretty long ways. You know, if you're like maybe not getting an apartment, but you get a your roommate with somebody else for I don't know four hundred bucks a month or five hundred bucks or whatever. Right. And if your car is paid for, then that's really your your only expense plus gas and food. Yeah. Uh, so it can take you four or five months. Um, that's pretty much what I had to my name back in two thousand four, and I survived on that for a little while while I was transitioning into the oil oil and gas business. So anybody out there watching this thing that you know, you don't need large savings to 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 start making moves. A yeah. move. Yeah. You know what you got to do is move and yep. head on the right direction. You were removing yourself from an environment that took you up to a certain level, but you understood that for you to go higher than that level, you had to go somewhere else. Hundred um, percent. And actually, Grant Cardone talks a lot about that. And and how he's moved from different areas, from California to Florida, to grow his network. And and even though this guy was ultra successful already, you know, moving always creates new opportunities, new networks, new friends, new people that you meet. And um, so I um, I admire you for that because not everybody's got the guts to say, man, I'm gonna get out of. Especially you were in your 20s already, right? So yeah, I was 23 or 24. Yeah, so. That's all you knew. Like, your family's there. Whether you like them or not or whatever, that's a different yeah. story. Your friends are there. You know, you know the neighborhoods. Like, it would have been a lot easier now to start maybe a real estate business, which is not what you did anyways, but in that town because it's what you knew. So uh, making that move is, is it's, uh, it's, a, it's a risk. But you were 23 also, young. You have five grand. Um, I think you uh, – the you were stacking the the odds towards you know your advantage. Yeah, I was betting on that, myself. You right? were betting on yourself. Yeah. So, so what? How was getting to Austin like? Like, what was the the you know what do you end up doing there? So yeah, I mean, this is kind of where like the your real estate journey begins. Is I got here, I had nothing to my name, didn't have a job, didn't know a soul in the town, right? So I knew I needed to start to make you know, making money as soon as possible. And, you know, I was like, well, the fastest thing to do is get a job, right? So right. I'm applying for every job out there. I'm talking to recruiters and everybody's slamming the door in my face. Right. No, we don't want you to work there. We don't want you to work there. And I was like, I, mean, I got to figure out some other way to like make money. Right. And so, uh, what do I do? Go right back to YouTube. You know, that's where I learned, you know, everything I've probably learned since high school has been from other individuals or like YouTube. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, started uh you know researching wholesaling stumbled across like sean terry so you didn't have a job and you started researching for 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 wholesaling yeah i mean that, that was the only way that I, like because i'm applying for jobs non-stop and that's like my number one focus it's not like i'm going out partying or anything like that so it's like yeah i'm applying for jobs trying to get interviews as much as i can during the day and then you know at night you know educating myself i knew that you know I want to be my own boss. Like, right. I don't want to work for some other man the rest of my life. It's, I can't do it. Right. So, um, you know, wholesaling made sense to me. You know, I was like, if I'm going to make it as an entrepreneur, like, it's probably going to be in, like, you know, real estate, technology, you know, or, you know, maybe oil. But I was like, real estate makes sense to me um, at, a, 
out of everything. So dove deep on that. And while I was looking for a job, I was doing like, you know, odd jobs on Craigslist and things like that. Just create um, a little bit of money. Just create in. a little bit of money. Um, you know, and I was doing a lot of that. And so I was able to start like sending out mailers and things. And I was handwriting the mailers, handwriting bandit signs, spending money I didn't have to, you know, chase, chase, you know, the dream of doing wholesaling. Yeah, because that's what yeah. they were teaching back then. Mail, 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 send postcards, yellow letters. Yeah. And your phone will ring, and and next thing you go, you lock up a deal, and you sell it in three weeks, and you make 10K. Right. <laughs> you know, that was it. Right. right. So so you got through, uh, so so you started watching YouTube. Who uh, who were you watching? Uh, you mentioned Sean Terry, who, to me, I, I, I used to listen to that guy every day to his podcast. Mm -hmm. He's actually great. Um, but he was teaching a lot of that, like mailers and more of the reactive marketing, which is what I call it. You know, you put stuff out and then you wait for your phone to ring. Mm -hmm. um, and then nowadays we are in the proactive marketing. We still do some reactive, but um, who else were you learning from at the time uh, when it came to like real estate? I mean, he was my main mentor. I know there's like one some guy, guy back. Guy. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really diversify from that. I went deep on Sean Terry's methods. I, I experimented around with like a lot of other people's YouTube channels, but he resonated the most with me. So. Yeah, he's very charismatic, man. You know, and the way he speaks, his energy is good. Uh, he connects with people. That that's why I like Sean so much. Mm -hmm. um, he's one of the few that I follow on on Instagram or, or YouTube, and when his stuff comes up, I watch it. And it's just because I like to watch the guy right. deliver the message. You know, it might be something I already know, but it's is uh, he's actually a very likable person. So, absolutely. So. Um, you know, I, I did that and then I made a lot of uh, mistakes in terms of you know, spending all the money I had to market and not getting a return. Right. Right. Yeah. I spent all the money I had. I was flat broke, almost got evicted from my apartment. Um, uh, cause I was spending all my money on, you know, mail and right. bandit signs. Right, right, right. And I didn't have any money coming in. Uh, so, you know, I thank you know, by the grace of God, I was able to land a job through a referral. A friend referred me. I had made some friends and things like that at this okay. point. It's a couple months in, uh, you know, to Austin. Uh, made a uh, relationship with this, you know, guy. Referred me to a job at Indeed.com. Mm -hmm. And everybody else had slammed the door in my face. And they gave me a shot. You know, I went through their interviews and um, started doing inside sales with them. Okay. So, you know, I was so thankful that I was going to be able to make rent that month. And I got the job there, and uh, my number one goal getting that job in inside sales was I want to make as much money as I possibly can so I can get out of here and be my own boss. Right. From day one. That was number one. But you so, didn't say that on the interview. <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, having that mentality yeah. served me really well because uh, right out of the gate, I was a top performer in the organization. And so uh, I went from making zero money to making two hundred fifty thousand dollars, pretty much. That's like, a pretty good chunk of change. Uh, yeah, overnight. So, um, that was a really big turnaround right there for me, to be able to make that kind of income for myself. Because what it allowed me to do was, you know, not only make you know a quarter million dollars in my nine to five, but then uh, in the evenings I had a six to two, which was real estate. Yeah. Yep. So I'd come home six o'clock, and I worked till like one one two o'clock in the morning every single morning. Uh, doing real estate, whatever it needs to be, calling back sellers, putting out more marketing, um, going on evening appointments, and then, of course, the weekends. That's all I did. 
That's pretty good. And well, you were doing what most people weren't willing to do at the time, because a lot of people their dream is I'm gonna get to to 100k, not even 250k. I'm gonna get to 100k, and I'm set. I got me a big house now, and I gotta get me a, a nice car. 100k nowadays doesn't take you much further out. Yeah. But but a lot of people are not there. Like they're in the 60s, 70s, you know, 80k range range. Um, so you start making good money. Um, $250,000 is one, the 1%ers are the ones making that uh, employee, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of you going out to the to the bar or the club or whatnot, you continue to go back to, I'm going to go learn, grow, and figure out this real estate business because I know what it, it can do for me. Pretty much that was your, your approach. Yep, so all the commissions that I was making, I was reinvesting back into masterminds. Like, as soon as I had the money, because I, you know, I was learning all that Sean Terry, as soon as I had the money, I went to Sean Terry's mastermind. Yeah, went head first into you know, the, his boardroom and things like that. Yeah, that really started getting me some traction in the real estate business. You started hanging out with guys that are at a much higher level than you are. Yep. And now you're you're basically you're an action taker from the from very from a very young age so you just had to figure out what you needed to do and by you surrounding yourself with these people that was instant yeah um, because yep. these are movers and shakers that are already making it happen yeah so it was a slow journey for you know me to get started in, in real estate it took me 11 months to get my first deal and it's it wasn't like on part-time effort either like i'm busting my ass spending all the money i have like you know doing everything I can. Yeah, you're on the red. You're running red because you're not getting any money back and I'm your return is not there. Zero, right? Right. So, you know, and I had to look at myself like in the mirror, you know, after spending all this time and energy, you know, six months later and not have anything to show for it, right? Like really take a mental evaluation. Like, you know, I think that was the only time I ever thought about quitting. And when I thought about quitting that day, I was like, you know, I've come too far at this point. I've been too much in. I was like, just let it kill me. I was like, you know what? It's going to have to put me six feet under because I'm not quitting. That's good, man. Um, so what really kept you going? Was it the 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 fear of the failure or? Dude, I'm just a son of a bitch, man. Like, you're going to have to kill me. Like, you know, that was really it. I was just like, I'm not going to. I crossed the line of, like, failure being an option. Right. You know what I mean? I, I put too much time, energy into it to where, like, if I'm going to fail, like, it, it, it's going to be because I'm bad. There's no other option. I'm just going to keep banging and keep banging. And at that point, you didn't really fail. No. You, you know, you just No, died, I was just frustrated really... at that point. But yeah, I you was get like, frustrated, right? The, the thought of quitting after I put that much into it made me sick. Like, honestly, I was like, it's not an option. Yeah, but I can see yeah. why you won't. You're just going to figure it out. Figure right. It out You're just going to keep punching, right? You know, um, until... Until I can't keep punching anymore, you know, until I'm, until, you know, I'm dead or whatever. But uh, fortunately, you know, I'm a survivor, so I was able to, you know, continue to put one foot in front of the other, keep showing up to work every day. Um, you know, I got my first deal 11 months later on a follow-up. I was actually at lunch on my from my day job, and a seller I went on an appointment six months ago called me back and said, hey, I'm ready to move forward. Um, can you send me the contract? And I wow. was like, oh, my goodness. So I did that and then was able to turn around and flip the deal to uh, an investor uh, and made 12000 on it. 
took that twelve thousand. Now you got proof of concept. And that was all I needed, right? That's it. I, because I was already supporting myself with my day job, I took that twelve grand and reinvested it all back into marketing, like every every penny of it. And then I got deal like two, three, four back to back to back on the twelve grand of marketing. And you still had a job. And I still had a job. And so then I now I'm now I'm starting to catch a little bit of traction. Then it you know this is probably a year into me having a job at Indeed, and I've got money. You know I'm starting to. You know, have people help me out, things like that. Um, you know, I'm getting consistent deals. You know, two to four deals a month at this time, right? It's um, pretty good. Yeah, for having a full time job. Yeah. Um, and then you know, just kept going. Nothing wrong there. with having a five figure side job. You know. Uh, yeah. You could you could actually make it a six figure depending on how big your assignments were. Yeah, I was making six figures doing that, and I was making doing well in my day job. So I was, you know, I was living living you know decent for the time. I'm. Uh, you know, blessed. Yeah, I got you know much much better things going on now. But um, you know, for back then it was it was good. I was able to support myself and I provide a nice life for myself. And you know, it's kind of been history ever since. Good deal. So how how big did you grow your team while you were still employed? So I had, how did that look like? Yeah. So I had a a really good VA. I think it was through uh, Riva or Ibis. I think they're called Ibis. One of those back services, then. yeah. Yeah, and I trained her. You know, I'd spend my we- you know, nights and weekends working with this chick. So, yeah, she could basically run point while I'm at my day job. And right. I had her trained up really well. And so she was, you know, the main point of contact for my business. Any lead that came in, she would reach out. You know, she was kind of doing acquisitions, but you know, I was still running appointments at this time. So I could still go out and still see houses. houses. But she'd get them really qualified for me. So, you know, I wasn't wasting a lot of time going to these houses. Okay. So. Basically, you went to a house to get a piece of paper signed. Exactly. And then um, I had my uh, my girlfriend at the time working for me. Um, she was she was in software sales, but then she quit because we were making so much money in real estate that she came and quit and uh, did real estate with me. And then um, I also had a uh, partner at the time. Uh, I don't anymore. So I got rid of the girl, got rid of the partner. Got common lawed, lost a partnership, got had to go to court, lost everything. At that point, when that happened, then I, I got I decided I didn't want to have the girlfriend anymore. Right. I went and broke up with her, and uh, she was smart. She had you know uh, families that were attorneys and things. They hit me with common law, and so lost you know lost everything I had in a common law. Lost all my material possessions. I was living in a high rise in you know Austin. Had nice vehicles. Cl- nice clothes, brand new furniture, everything. Lost it all. Um, when I was going through that, my uh, partner, he turned his back on me and said, hey, I don't want to be involved with you anymore because you're going through all this. It's just, you know, it's not a good look. So he turned his back on me and uh, he had told me I'd never make it, things like that. Um, yeah, I was basically hit rock bottom, but you just kept swinging. and then Yo, got, You, hit, got you hit rock bottom relationship-wise. Yeah, but mentally, I didn't hit rock bottom. I'm still going. I'm you like, were there. Oh, everything's, the world's falling around Actually, me. Actually, they I didn't give a shit. did you a favor. Yes, they did. It was the biggest blessing I ever had. Absolutely. Getting out of there, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, good, get it, get Man, it away. But, you, know, I, you know, and I, I, I don't believe in luck. Uh, I believe that you create your own luck. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in... Uh, coincidences or conspiracies or whatever. Actually, I do believe in conspiracies, and the universe was com- conspiring on your favor. Yes. Because it was taking you through all that shit that it might have been ugly as hell at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
removing the girlfriend. Hey, she, okay, she took some stuff with her. All right. right. Uh, material possessions, which, okay, whatever. I got them back, yeah. Tenfold, some, tenfold, right, right yeah. Um, and then your business partner mm-hmm. uh, decided that, I guess it was not a good relationship for him because of what you were going through. Uh, oh, you're not good anymore. You know, I don't need you or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He went and did whatever he was doing and left you alone. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, now you're stronger than ever because you don't have to carry their weight now. That's the way I see it. Uh, uh, it was baggage, right? Yeah. So I had to go through the cleansing of that baggage, which, you know, I went, I had all this money. I uh, had over six figures in the bank, right. then wiped it all out. I think I had like 11 grand left to my name after I got myself like a new apartment and a new car and right. things like that. And then I just kept kept banging, man. That's good, man. Yeah. I I love that because uh, and now they, they probably say, man, I messed up, you know, especially your partner. Uh, if he would have stayed with you and help you go through it, he will be uh, probably better off. I don't know what he's whether he's doing well or not, but, you know, that's besides the point now. Right. Um, so, okay, and how do you start rebuilding from that? Like, what what was your, like, okay, I don't have the girlfriend that took my money. I don't have the partner that took the company or whatever. Yeah. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Now you're not broke because, to me, being broke is a mindset. It's, oh, of it's, course, it's yeah. something in your mind. You just didn't have enough money at the time for to live the life you were right, right. you were living, right? Yeah, yeah. But you still had eleven grand, which is more than the five thousand dollars you came to Austin with anyways. True. And now you got all the know how yeah. on how to do this thing. You have a network. So I wasn't shook. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, fine. I, thank God. It was kinda like light at the end of the tunnel. When you said it was a blessing, it absolutely yeah. was. Like it sucked going through it, but I never got down on myself for a second. I was like, man, I just can't wait till this shit's over with. So that way I can I can go and build this up even better. Look, true story, man, and I hate to cut you off, but I have a business partner. His name is Dennis, who I love. He's my brother. And and one day uh, me, me and him are talking, like we were going through some shit, like serious, like, I mean, defeat, and we're getting just slapped on the face by, I don't know, many different situations. And we're trying to figure it out what do we do next? Like, how do we get out of this funk? Like, mm-hmm. it stinks right now. We need to figure something out. He's an engineer. And and I was like, Dennis, man, worst case scenario, dude, you go back to your six-figure job, man. And he looked at me and said, I will fucking never do that again. Yeah. I said, okay, that's all I wanted to hear, bro. Because me, mm-hmm. I'm never going back to that either. No. But I just want to make sure. Right. You weren't going back to that. Okay, let's continue to roll. And that was it. Yeah. So it was that quick conversation, you know, and we never doubted each other, right? So yeah. so he's always been there for me, just like I have been there for him, uh, which is something you look on a partner, right? You're going through t- some tough times. Last thing you, w- you you expect is for your partner to turn his back on you and, right. and kind of like call you out on some who right. knows what, right? right? In this case, like, no, nah, man, I got your back. You got mine. Let's go. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, you go through that. Your freaking strong mindset now. I mean, you've been preparing yourself for years now, mm-hmm. exercising, which also gives you discipline and 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 it makes you relentless. You know, and now you put the mindset. You go through the adversities. How do you rebuild from there? And and what was your like? How did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I was you, you hit it right on the head. So I was like, well, I got my company, I got a job, and I got all this knowledge now. I was like, I'm fine. 
right? Yeah. So I I never got down on myself through that entire experience. Um, and, you know, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I didn't really stop, right? So I just, you know, continued marketing. Continue, I got. I still had my girl, you know, uh, calling the leads. And I'm back down to a one-man show. So Where was she at? My um, Your VA? My VA, yeah. My VA over in the Philippines. Okay. Yep. She was doing that uh, for me, doing a really good job. And, uh, you know, I was actually better off for it when I was by myself. I don't know. You know I was more focused. I was more driven. And so that's really kind of when my business started to take off. You know, I had, um, you know, enough money within, like, you know, six months later that right. I was I – was, I had more in my account than I did even before. Before. Right. And so at that point, I think this is like early 2017, I was like, you know, it's time to jump out and start doing this full time on my own. So, uh, yeah, because you realize that your job was actually robbing you from opportunities. Yeah, I was like, I'm spending 160 hours a month here, right? So if I took 160 hours additional and put it into my real estate business a month, how much more money? I was like, uh, and even done. if it takes you another three years to get to where you were financially with the job, that's just a, a supposing. Mm -hmm. It's still worth it because at the end of the day, you own your time, you own your business, you know, you call the shots now, you jump when you want to jump, not when they tell you to jump, um, and now you're in control 100%. So even if it takes longer to get there, it's completely worth it. Um, mm -hmm. So, so all right, so... You quit, and when, when you quit, did they did they try to keep you and say, "Man, where are, the, where are you going? Are you crazy?" Or how how did that work out? I, I mean, my director, he was really cool. He was a big you know mentor. Indeed, really where I learned like hardcore inside sales. Okay, right. It's like Wolf of Wall Street, there. right? Right. High quotas, everything. So, um, you know, my director knew how to put the carrot out in front of me. He knew that I wanted to be my own boss. So he's like, "Hey, man, all right, we can get you." Uh, you know, here in terms of where my quota was, he's like, yeah, if you can exceed it by this much, you'll get this much. You can probably, you know, exit next quarter. I was, I had a really good relationship. He with helped, him. he actually helped you get set up for that move. Correct. Wow. Yeah. That's admirable, for, especially in somebody in corporate. Yeah. And a super good guy. I'm, you know, be eternally thankful for him. Yeah. He served a really big part of my, you know, big piece of my life. So, um, he was in my corner and, you know, I just was transparent with him. I'm like, all right, yeah, as soon as we get through this quarter, uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to bounce. And he was like, all right, cool, thanks for, for letting me know. So, you know, all my colleagues and everything, you know, they didn't know. It was kind of between me and my director. Right. Uh, he knew what was going on, and he was supportive the entire way. All my colleagues, you know, they were like, oh, man, you know. Uh, they couldn't believe I was doing it. They're kind of you know, a lot of they're calling saying, you stupid, crazy. I think whatever. a lot of them bet on me to you know fail things like that. But, right. Um, I got out. Uh, it was the most liberating feeling in the world walking out of those doors. You know, on a Monday morning after I had turned in my laptop and walking out and knowing I don't have anybody reigning over me. You're free. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got got to work immediately. You know, I went home and uh, got a started getting getting things in order because i knew you know hey i need to i'm 100 percent responsible now for my own income so right there was no like there's not like a big celebration it was get your ass back to work that's and it start like, now, money. now this is real right now this is real and so you know on my case i for me it was hard uh i had a family 
kids, you know, actually a kid on the way. I had a daughter going to college and big house and cars and, you know, paying for my mom's car, that kind of deal, right? So I was the guy providing for a lot of people around me. And I was miserable in my job for at least a year, at least. Now, I didn't leave because I was making a ton of money, you know. And and I had the liberty of going in and out whenever I wanted. So I didn't have to clock in or out. Literally, if, if I didn't show up, they didn't even know whether mm-hmm. I showed up in the building or not because I was so high up in the company that people were reporting to me. And my I was reporting to a guy in, in the U.K. So, you know, my boss is not there to like, hey, man, where are you at All right, this morning yeah. or whatever. I'm the boss. So uh, when they lay me off, uh, I remember uh, I was grateful to them right away. Thank you so much for this, you know, the years that I spent here. I really learned a lot. They actually were the ones that, made me think big uh, because I was handling large numbers. Mm-hmm. So when you're l- l- handling hundreds of millions of dollars, your financial, you know, mind yeah. expands. And you're like, man, this is possible, like, to handle $100 million, $200 million, you know, right. accounts and that kind of deal. Um, so that's what made me start thinking big because I guess up to that point, I was very thinking small when it came to, like, revenue and maybe the kind of deals that I could do on my own. I've been investing in real estate since 2008, but I always had a job as well. I was on the flipping side. I never, like, wholesaling, ooh, you know, wholesalers are bad. They're ugly. They wear, you know, Mm -hmm. flip-flops, and and they don't know their numbers, you know, and they're making all the money on the front end, and I'm not making enough on the back end. That that was kind of like my my scarcity mentality as an investor towards wholesaling. Uh, little did I know I was going to become one. Uh, but um, the day they laid me off, man, I got on that car. And I I remember I, I'm processing what just happened, right? And then I get on the highway, and as soon as I hit the I, – I, I start going, I don't know, 80 or 90 miles an hour. I said to myself, I would never be in this position ever in my entire life again where somebody else dictates – whether I make money or not. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And I actually I went home. I I wasn't mad, I wasn't pissed off. I was I felt like I felt like you felt when you left, I guess your your hand your laptop liberated like I'm free now. I can now I can get paid based on my Worth, efforts. Yeah. And and my and my work, you know, and and what I do, I don't get paid based on what somebody says I need to get paid in my race or whatever, you know, because they feel like whatever the case might be. And it was, for me, it wasn't, it was a little hard because on the, from the point of view that I wasn't ready for that day. Like, even though I was ready mentally, I knew I was going to get fired at some point. I had a conversation with my dad and my dad is like, son, how is it going? This is December prior to me getting laid off. I was like, dad, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm in the freaking top of the food chain in this company. And I'm running a $120 million business, and I'm awarding $40 million contracts here and there. I was big shot. and But he's like, but what? I said, I don't know if I'm going to like be doing that for the rest of my life. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, something tells me that I'm not going to be there for too long. I'm way too high up now to where I custom, you know, I'm, I'm a high mm-hmm. salary guy. And I've laid off so many people now that I know that's just a matter of time. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen next week or if it's going to happen in 20 years, but it's going to happen. 
And he's like, really? Yeah, I said, that, that's corporate. You know, it, it just it's a numbers game now. They don't care about personal people as their feelings or whatever. For them, it's a numbers game. How do we increase our bottom line and, and this and that? And if you get on the way, you're out. Eight months later, boom, it, it just happened. So I attracted it without even, you mm -hmm. know, uh, thinking that I was doing that. And when I got laid off, you know, I went through that and said I'll never be blah, 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 and, and I'm going to make real estate work for me one way or, or another. Um, so that's how I ended up doing it full time. But uh, the feeling of being free was actually pretty freaking good, even though I was I just got fired, you know, like, okay, shit, I own my time now, right? And it was like I was talking to another guy a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to figure out what to do with my time. Like, okay. I, I got remember going through that, yeah. I, I, like, I would sit down in the computer looking for houses and stuff, and then then I'll get tired of that for a couple of hours or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Like, it was weird. Like, that was the transition was weird because I was like, I got all this free time in my hands now that it took me about, I would say, three to six months to get on a rhythm to where, okay, this is how I set my own schedule now. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a little while as well. I remember it was like, you know, all right, well, what do I always default to when I don't know what to do? I'm going to go to the gym. Right. right. That's where it always starts. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure. Yeah, I'm on my own now. I'm going to have to set a good schedule. Get your ass up. Go to the gym first thing in the morning. I would do that. And then I was in the same position. It would become like, you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was pretty much wrapped up. I didn't know what I needed to do. Yeah. So what I do, go back to the gym. Yeah. Right? Then I'd get back at, you know, 5 or 6 o'clock at night, do some more emails, you know, finish off the evening. Then I'd go to bed early. And then that was kind of my routine for the first little bit. And then as I got busier, now it's like it's – it's nonstop. Okay. See, for for me, you're going to the gym was actually doing real estate. So, because I worked, I worked all the time, and I traveled all over the world. So, every chance I had, like some downtime, I'm gonna look for properties, and I'm mm -hmm. gonna look for money. Because that that's that's what I got real good at at the beginning was finding deals, finding money. That way, I can marry the two together, and I go do flips or rentals or whatever. But now I have extra time, and I was like. Okay, I don't have a gym mentality. Like I didn't, right, you know. Right. I was like going to the gym. Hell no, that's a waste of time. That does not make me any money. It's the way I would think about it. Even though it's, it will probably make you a ton of money if you start doing it on a regular basis. Not just because you're you're getting fit and healthier, but you're also networking with other people that that are looking after the same interests that you may be onto. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't know how many deals I've closed sitting like this on a bench press before, right? Too. I get up from a set. Oh, this seller wants to talk right now. Oh, it's hot. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and close it up. Yeah, that was that was early on. That happened all the time. So I try to refrain from the phone now in the gym, but yeah, I used to. So now you're now you're free that. from the baggage. You start rebuilding your your team. You have your VA that's landing deals for you. How do you grow you grow your team out? And now you have Indeed, the Indeed experience. So um, you quit your job. You're free. Now you know how to hire, how to qualify people. How do you go about, okay, I'm going to build this new team. Because what you built the second or the third time around, I would say the third time, 
I, I define your journey in three stages now because it might be more, but mm -hmm. you had the first stage where you drove to, to Austin and, and you're learning on YouTube mm -hmm. for free, which is best way to start is actually YouTube. I tell everybody um, watching podcasts like this, right? And, and then you, you come in contact with Sean Terry. Then you go to his mastermind and and I will define that as a second, you know, stage. Mm -hmm. Now you start hanging out with other guys that are doing the same thing. You're seeing the proof of concept. Maybe you don't have it yet. I don't know if you had it yet or not, but uh, you were close to it. And then you go through a partnership that goes away, and then you learn in your cor in the corporation that you were working at how to hire, how to do all of these things, and for other people. And finally, you made that transition. So, okay, now it's time for me to go build my own business. Yeah. How did that look like? So, um, I was fortunate. I had a really, really good friend in Austin at this point. Um, and he was, you know, he was actually the manager of the gym that I was going to. And he was done doing that. And so, he was kind of in a transitional period. I said, well, hey, man, I need somebody to help me, you know, with acquisitions going on these appointments. You think you can come help me out? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So he jumped on with me, commission only. And, um, you know, we were driving. This is when we were just doing Texas. This is before the virtual thing. So yeah. um, we were, you know, doing a shit ton of marketing. We'd be going uh, and booking appointments all week. And then we, you know, he would be driving down to San Antonio every single day or, um, you know, coming out to Houston. We would do it to where we basically we'd be in the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday it was nonstop appointments. Yeah, I, we used to come out here to Houston all the time and spend the weekend. So we'd have five or six appointments here in Houston. We'd come out, you know, uh, do our five or six appointments, stay at the Galleria, uh, go out and party, go to Joel Osteen's church, right. drive back to Austin with two or three contracts. And, you know, we were doing that for, for a little while. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. Uh, and then we dispo them and get more appointments and just keep going. Now, so at that time, now you're dispoing over the phone, right? Because, you know, you're not, you don't live here. So you're going back to Austin. You got contracts from here. And let's talk about Houston, for instance. Right. So you're locking up deals here. You drive to the deal. Yep. You get the contract. Then you go party. Then you go to church. And the next, okay, you go back to Austin. How was that disposition look like at the time? Like, did you put a lockbox on it? Did you persuade the seller to show the house to your investors? How how was that? I would if the seller was cool, like I'd try to get them to show the property. We got a whole system to it now. We can talk about it later, but um, you know, a lot of times we would lock up the property, you know, this weekend, and then we would aim to show, show it, it next, next weekend. weekend with more appointments. And by the time you had the title commitment come back, and you know whether it's a good deal or not, you yeah. know if he's got any liens or not, so. So we'd be out here hustling all weekend in Houston and then go back to Austin. And, you know, we'd do the same thing in Dallas and San Antonio. So we were – and But that will limit you, right? If you got – let's say you got a deal in Houston and a deal in Dallas. Uh, dude, it wasn't you scalable, man. Was that? It wasn't scalable, right? It wasn't scalable, no, absolutely yeah. not. But at the time you're making money, and, and, and yeah. that's all you care about is, like, let me get contracts, let me make money. I don't care if I got to drive out there. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I can see myself in what you did because – when Harvey hit Houston, we were already wholesaling here. Um, we were like, what now? Like, we get houses, but they're, like every other wholesaler in the country is coming to Houston, number one. Number two, now there is a flood of inventory. Like, 
you gotta pick it up dirt cheap so the 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 end buyer it makes sense to them um what do we do so i said well all the investors are coming here all the wholesalers are coming to town hedge funds i mean it, it just became a freaking zoo why don't we just go to their town because they're they're leaving it behind mm-hmm. they're not marketing in their town and in our town at the same time because i don't think we're at the stage to where people think multiple markets only a few of them are out there and that's how and by the time i was just doing mailers so that's how i started marketing in tampa so everybody from tampa is trying to get deals in houston but now the market is pretty much for for me and whoever else stayed behind uh and that's literally i will send letters and i will time them i said okay and i'll send them uh standard i didn't send them first class the first class they go too fast mm-hmm. so i'll send them standard to give it three or four days to get to tampa and then the day before I know the phone is going to ring, I will take a, a plane ticket, fly to Tampa, and then I will go lock up the deals. And Beautiful. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I loved it. You right. know, And, and uh, we finally got an apartment out there, and eventually we transitioned from that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was that guy that always thought I have to be in front of the seller because I know I can I can get it happen. I can make it done, you know, get the contract. Right. I can close. Right. Um once I ch- uh, change that shift, then things change for us. So, so you were driving all over Texas. Yeah. And at what point you say, "All right, this is a lot of freaking work." So this is like this is all in like a six month period for right. me leaving my job. That was all going in like six months, and then, um, you know, we had a slow month. Um, it was like in December, and then my uh, my buddy he got a he was you know a former. Uh, he was, you know, really big up in the oil field. He was a manager, uh, running a few wells out in the oil field. You know, years prior, they got my acquisition manager. His old boss called him and said, "Hey, we need you back." Yeah, they got the it's picking up now. It's, it's picking big up. Money. Yeah, it was like a thousand bucks a day, and I was like, "Dude, just go." So then I was back to myself, and serendipitously, um, I got a phone call. I think it was like within a few days from um, my buddy who was actually in. Um, a colleague of mine, Indeed, he was actually my intern, and uh, you know he was, you know, doing really well at Indeed. Uh, you know, I showed him how to. I kind of showed him what I was doing with real estate. I helped him get his first deal, um, and you know he calls me. He's like, "Dude, it sucks here in corporate." He's like, "Can I come work for you?" I was like, "Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, I, just, I don't know what I'm gonna have you do. I could probably pay you like, you know, yeah, thousand bucks minimum, yeah, like thousand bucks a month to do some cold calling." And he's like, "All right, I'll do it." So he went from this like high paying corporate salary job and came and worked with me and uh, absolutely crushed it. His name is Brandon. He's still with me to this day. He actually runs my business. Wow. So uh, he's your COO? Or? He's my COO. Okay. Yep. So he runs my business. Absolute savage. Um, if you guys you know, have seen any, he's usually with me on podcasts and things like that. Uh, but. He started as a cold caller, worked his way up to leads manager, then acquisition manager. Then, you know, we got, we ended up doing really well. We got more acquisition managers. He's overseeing those acquisition managers. And then, you know, we're bringing on Dispo. And then next thing you know, it's like we're doing all this virtually. We had people working out of their houses. And this was like year, year and a half ago. We're okay. like, yeah, I mean, this is crazy having, you know, all these people work remote. Just because, you know, in our business... It's hard to track also what they're doing, how they're doing it, you know, motivating yeah. them, you know, answering questions when they need 
questions. You know, in this business, like you got to be on it, right? So speed of communication is everything. And like, you know, having to rely on people on like Slack channels or like DMing each other or even picking up the phone is not efficient, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we realized we need to stop this like, uh, you know, digital nomad lifestyle and like actually get an office. And so we end up getting an office and, uh, you know, that's kind of really when our, we started to blow up. Good. And how many people did you have working with you in the nomad lifestyle? I think we had like seven, like we had like three acquisitions, uh, you know, dispositions and uh, like a executive assistant, things like right. that. Yeah. And then you got an office space. Um, now, were they all working uh, digitally from Austin or they were all over the place? All over the place. Cause I was like, screw it. Well, I'll just find you know, the best talent wherever I can find them, preferably in areas that aren't as expensive as Austin. So I don't have to pay that high labor rate, right? which was, was smart back then. Um, but then I realized like, Hey, I need it cause I need everything under, you know, one roof. And so that's what we ended up doing and, uh, made a dramatic impact overnight. All of our, we kept all of our remote employees on when we first started cause we weren't just going to fire everybody, but, um, very quickly, uh, they, they all started to go and, away. And you realize uh, also that the productivity from the people that you manage directly is a lot higher than the people that are remotely. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, even though that they that doesn't mean they're bad people, that doesn't right. mean, you know, they're just, you're not able to push them as hard as you can when they're here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I went through something similar. I think um, back in early 2019, we're 2000 yeah 2019 we had a bigger building down in rosenberg which is far away from here uh south of katy i live in katy and it was only like four of us in the building and everybody else was remotely because i had them in like uh, florida i had people i had people all over the place venezuela so i had a lot of vas and and uh i was like there's something missing and we have a good business but it's not a great business and this can be better how can i make this better and at the time we were trying to to reduce cost so because our, our overhead was actually big and we were transitioning from a flipping business into a wholesaling business so we still have a lot of those flips that we were trying to find uh, uh fix and flip or whatever we had a lot of overhead uh and the first thing you do is cut costs like okay the building i don't need this building anymore as soon as the lease is up, boom, I let it go. So we went into that nomad thing for mm -hmm. in 2000, early 2019, actually January. Um, I kept these people employed, and they were doing okay. So we were doing enough to, I guess, survive and make a little bit of money, but it wasn't anything that I was looking forward to. I was right. like, this is not where I'm going to get what I'm getting stuck. Somehow in uh, August, September, some guys they start approaching me and they're like hey how can i work with you and i was like huh they're local so i was like hmm, maybe you help me with this post i got 20 some houses on the contract by myself with my team but my team is really costing me almost nothing um i need help in these positions and that's where i'm struggling you know i got all these deals they're great deals but i don't have a vast list of buyers even though i have been building one for quite a while um there was a lot of not calling the buyer so i had to like dig down throughout the list in order to make it happen and i needed to multiply myself through other people in order to do that 
And this one guy approach, approaches me, and he's like, man, I want to work with you. I know you always got deals in your hands, and I'm good in this point them. And I was like, really? Okay, boom, you're hired. Come on. And he starts selling houses. And then he's like, hey, I got these other guys that they're looking for a home, um, and you seem to be able to provide that structure. So that's how I went from literally digital nomad operating into, okay, let me get an office space again. But this time I don't want to make a huge commitment on the space because I don't know if these guys are going to work out or not. And because I've seen a lot of my friends that have similar businesses, they have a high turnaround. They hire, the next thing you know, the guys are gone because they didn't work out or, or they learn enough to go do it on their own. You know, it, it's one of the two. Um, and I didn't want to see myself in that same situation with a lease hanging over my neck now because I know what a lease hanging over my neck was before. Mm-hmm. And um, went and started working out of co-working spaces. So we got this one office out of a co-working space. There's no lease involved. You pay every month. That's it. If you need to leave, then you give a 30-day notice, and you're gone. And, man, we I think it was it was two of us. From two, we grouped to five. From five to, like, nine. So I ended up getting two spaces within the same area. But there was so many distractions in that building that I don't think we were being as productive as we should have for the headcount. And that's when I said, hmm time to go move now back to a lease again to where I can have everybody under one roof. Mm-hmm. I can be on top of them. We can have morning calls. We can have morning sales meetings and and yeah. have our Monday meetings regularly. Nobody's showing up late or whatever. Uh, there was always an excuse on why people wouldn't be in the meeting or whatever. And then we started like letting them go fast. And that's how we transitioned to it. But this is a building, uh, a business of reinventing yourself like literally every year. It's either marketing or structure. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a matter of what we need to reinvent later on. Right. You know, right. but for that, so you grow a culture, right? Which I've seen you do very well. Um, cause you've, yeah. you've grown your team from, um, from yourself and your VA and then your nomads, mm-hmm. uh, your digital nomads until the, 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 the head count that you have today. I, I, I didn't ask how many you had, but I see you're posting videos and you have people here calling. You got other people, Right. You know, doing research or whatever. Um, what do you see basically your business transitioning into now that you've implemented all these things? It's just an inside sales organization, right? That's all it is, is yeah, real estate's just the widget. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're in the marketing business. It just happens it's, to be attached to real estate. Exactly. So uh, I think about it much, much different than a lot of investors. Um, because I came from a large inside sales organization. So you know how you said it expanded your mind when you saw that. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm kind of in the same position to, you know, I don't see why we can't grow. You have two extremely large teams, right? You got two teams within this, this business. It's acquisitions and dispositions. You got two departments. So, you know, within each department, there's support roles, right? Like transaction coordination and cold callers and, you know, junior acquisitions, things like that. But those departments scale out inevitably, you know, as long as you have good systems and good marketing and good people, you know, sky's the limit. So we're in, we're in a very fortunate position right now where we're, where we are growing and our biggest bottleneck is just hiring, hiring the right people because it's not an entry level sales job. You know, you got to have sharks, absolute killers. 
right? To become or people that are hungry enough. Exactly. Right? You, so, because the leads are too expensive in this business to just hire a warm body to come in and start calling these folks. And, and I think we've all done it. Uh, at least I have. Uh, right. I, I, like, can I come work with you? And I was like, sure, here's another buddy I can put on, I don't know, call tools or whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And next yeah. thing you know, the, the kid is just frustrated. He's not working out. Yeah. He's, this is not working out for me, man. I got to go. And then, you know, it wasn't him that failed. It was me that failed because I put him on the wrong seat or I gave him an opportunity that I should never, you know, extend it because of on my own needs, right? Mm -hmm. But I did get this one guy that actually watches this podcast, and this is the, the message he sends me on Instagram. Hey, man, I've been watching your podcast for a year now. Can I come door knock for you? And I was like, who the hell wants to door knock? Right. You know, right. I was like, that's a killer right there. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. I need to talk to this guy face to face. Hey, man, can you call, call? And he's like, sure, yeah, whatever. Okay, come on, come on, come on. I really want to see your face and look at what you look like because nobody's ever approached me for for door knocking right, you know right, so right. man he's actually turning out to be pretty freaking good awesome. and, and he had a job so he had a good paying job and when he said no i've been in my job for x amount of years and this is what i do and, and i was like, and you want to come door knock for us yeah like whatever it takes <laughs> bro that's our number one core value that's it uh, you, we have a core values you know banner stand that's the number one core value is whatever it takes. So. I'm glad to hear that. So, mm -hmm. so all right, so you're growing your business to a much larger scale now. Mm -hmm. What does the process from, and you don't have to get in details, but roughly at a, at a, at a 10,000 foot view from a CEO, what does it look like from marketing to these positions? Uh, it's just a giant sales funnel, right? So you've got marketing up at the top, leads come in, and you know we're we're monitoring conversion. So like my job as a C, uh, CEO is um, make sure that we have enough leads coming into the business. Right. Uh, make sure that conversion is happening. So we expect one in twenty uh, to convert into a contract. Okay. And so we've got scorecards for that that come out every week. I right. Have a, uh, I have reports on that um, every Monday, uh, and I look at the week prior how each rep did, how we did holistically as a team. Um, then I'm looking at dispositions, right? So dispositions, I'm making, I'm seeing how much money do we have in assigned right now? How much money do we have in unassigned revenue? Yeah. All right, how can we get you know, all that unassigned revenue to be assigned. to assigned? And everything that we haven't assigned, how quickly can we get it to close? Right. So that's, those are the things, the things that are going through my mind constantly. Right. Yeah, you know, at a 60,000, you know, you know, it's some variation of one of those questions going on my mind pretty much constantly right and then how can we how can we grow right how can we grow well? so um what's your i guess main marketing channel because we all have one yeah uh, we all pick that one that we're very good at and then we might throw a couple other ones on the side um and, and bring leads that way but what's yours uh for us it's ppc it's just something i was an early adopter of and uh you know it, it i've taken the time to you know really dive deep into it and learn it um i'll tell you a story so. about ppc so we uh this is 2015 probably and dennis my business partner had a friend um juan who was real good at, at, at like supposedly at ppc right so 
Dennis is like, dude, we gotta go digital. We gotta go on PPC. You know, let's let's just try a different avenue other than this. Actually, 2016, not 15. Another avenue other than than mailers. I was like, sure, man. What's that? What is that gonna cost us? And he's like, I don't know, a couple of grand a month, and and we should get some leads. And and I'm one of those guys that I'm like, I go all in, you know. And I was like, all right, man, tell this guy he's got 10 grand a month on budget for these PPC campaigns. But I forgot to say, I only want Houston. So he left the the territory the territory open nationwide. And we st- our phone started ringing with deals in Ocala, Florida. Uh, like, or the, the lead form will come in. And I was like, man, this thing is in Charlotte. Or right. we did not know what to do with that. Which is, like, I go back now. I was like, man, maybe I need to go back to that. Because... At that point, we were passing on deals that, and it caught me, like, I caught it, like, three weeks later. It's when I, because I guess it takes its time for for you to start, you know, ranking or whatever. I don't really know much on how it works. He was connecting our Facebook to the Google AdWords campaign, and there was this other thing that he was throwing on SEO. So everything was interconnected one way or another. And by the time I, I got a hold of where our money was going, I asked him, I said, dude, why am I getting all these deals in, like, other states and weird cities? And he said, oh, I thought you just wanted to go nationwide. And I was like, no, we had to stay here in right, Houston. Right. But by that time, I had already spent way too much money. <laughs> uh, and I stopped it right yeah, away. I said, yeah. not ever again. Right. But now that we're in a different, you know, we're pretty much following what you guys are doing and a lot of other guys are doing with the virtual world. The, the one question I, I have is, like, okay, so on a PPC campaign, um, how do you really set different targets? Let's say I want to set, and, and if is that possible, right? So let's say I just want to do PPC in Houston, and San Antonio, and Nashville. Is that possible to do it in just three segmented targets? I don't know, and I'm asking you because yeah, no, that's I mean, much your avenue. You don't have to say how yeah. you do it, but is that possible? Yes or no? Yeah, it's possible. Okay, but so the reason, like, if you just set a campaign for Houston or nashville or tampa if you set it up as its own campaign what's going to happen is um there's so many other people that got houston campaigns yeah or nashville campaigns or tampa campaigns that you're bidding against all those people that are bidding with those campaign structures right so when you add multiple cities in there um you're going to be basically in front of more people right and google wants to spend your money yeah, oh, right. they're spending fast. Right, so they're going to try to get you the click no matter where it's from. Where is that? Right, so if you've got more cities to add into those campaigns, that's going to reduce your cost per lead. If you're competing over a small pie, it's going to be very expensive. Right. Right, if you've got a, ge- a ge- geographically larger population base that you're, you're spreading your budget out in front of, your cost per lead will go down. Okay, so... PPC is your number one. Do you do another one other than PPC, or that's where you're pretty much focusing your your guns on? Yeah, man, I've been I've been around the block with cold calling, SMS, um, you know, RVM, the whole the whole gamut, and uh, PPC is our bread and butter. Yeah. So once you find that niche, it's 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 easier to go back to. Yeah, I mean, that. we can always turn that stuff on, but it's not really needed because we can continue to scale. We haven't even hit really the tip of the iceberg with what we can do digitally so like, right uh, i could scale that up to you know 
the moon right now. Yeah, you just need more people. Literally, I, they can't handle the leads. I right. Mean, like it, we're we're at record. You know, we're having consistent record days on leads, and it's all up and to the right. And I can't backfill people fast enough to keep how up many with the how market. many leads a day are you handling now from from ppc uh i think yesterday was like 81 that's a lot ppc leads yeah but day I, before and, that and was, a lot of it is retail people right like they want as much as as or is all motivated uh the motivation is pretty good because the you got to think about the the path that they take to get to you right they're gonna right. have to touch type in some sort of search phrase yep. that a motivated seller would type into google yeah then they have to, now whatever right right yeah. then they got to click on your site which is a you know cash for houses site so they've pretty qual they've qualified themselves pretty good now do we get people that want retail yes everybody does right but yeah usually when they're coming at you and they say they want retail there's still some underlying motivation are you keeping any of these yourself no, we're, I mean, I'm moving everything right now. I'm running it strictly like an inside sales organization because we're nationwide. Um, I just don't have the time, resources, and I'm, I'm very focused. So I don't uh, dabble around in, in other things like flipping or... No, you know. but like, so I'll give you an example. So we pick up a lot of subject twos, right? And a lot of these subject twos, they're not behind. Like, mm -hmm. this is just people that got a nice house, they have maybe a $2,000 mortgage, but they need to move for one reason or another one. And they're literally looking for somebody to take over that property. Like, yeah, you can wholesale that and you can make, I don't know, 10, 15, 20K, depending on the area, how desirable it is and all that. But a lot of those, we take them down ourselves mm -hmm. because uh, I really believe on passive income at some point, you, at some point, the rat race becomes a tougher rat race and a lot of these property. And that's why I ask you if you take them down yourself or some of them. No, I need to. Because, yeah. man, it's a lot easier than I you think. I need to, yeah. Uh, and just like you're systemizing your business, you can systemize that portion of it too. Right. To where you're not even seeing the house. You don't have to fly to, I don't know, uh, I keep falling back into Tennessee. Maybe I need whatever. to Whatever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee or whatever. Yeah. Just hire people locally that go and kind of like take pictures and maybe yeah, yeah. paint it a little bit or whatever, and then next thing you know, your owner financing it out or whatever. So though, you keep an eye, on, keep your eyes open on that because you're probably getting a lot of those that you're. Dude, I'm, I'm sure I've passed up on yeah. so much money. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. just, yeah, I don't want to get squirrel syndrome. Even though I'm not, it's just like, hey, no, man. you're you're focused. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. You're trying to really build a massive organization, and it takes a lot of energy. You know, being focused is pretty much the main one. Um, so keep an eye on them because literally there's people giving houses away. I got one right now. I mean, I could I could go do it on. I'm kind of dumb not to, but I've already got 25k ready to go on it. So yeah, it, it's kind of hard like, to pass on that. Uh, yeah. Plus your sales team gets paid based on that as well, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they can make a little bit of money, you're gonna go assign it and, and, and boom, uh, right? Get it done. Right. So so. Literally, you go from now is solidifying your team, hiring more people, and growing that that structure that you have. Mm -hmm. That's that's what the future pretty much looks like for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the next like three years, like, yeah, I'd like to grow it to uh, at least a five million dollar a month organization. Okay, right. So, you know, it's just really a lot more of the same, right? Continuing to uh, hire and retain top talent, refine our processes, increase marketing. Um, as long as we can continue to do that, um, we're going to have a really good future. Yeah. What's the, um, I guess, what, what do you, 
what's your reward like other than money uh, yeah because at some point money is okay it's good and all that and you can buy a bunch of nice things and be happy right mm-hmm. and people that believe that money doesn't buy happiness bullshit <laughs> they don't know where to shop <laughs> they, yeah. yeah they know they don't know where to spend it or shop yeah. right but what do you enjoy the most about what you do creating right like the the path to happiness um and i think for just the basic human element is fulfillment right creation and fulfillment so you know just being able to go in and create um something and make your dreams become a reality is extremely rewarding right so um you know to be able to you know stand stand up you know five years from now have you know an eight or nine figure business and say hey i built that from where i came from mm-hmm. um you know is humbling and then you know the byproduct of uh of what that brings is uh is endless you know you can you can do do all the things you wanted to do uh provide a really nice life for your family um you know live first class you know obviously you're um you're well esteemed in in your field uh so you know then you do have the money to be able to really do whatever you want to do with money. Yeah, but, plus plus when you make money, you bless other people, right? Exactly. You can help a lot of other people. Like, you know, one of my one of my goals is, you know, uh, get a ranch for, like, you know, dogs, like, to be able to bring them on, you know, get a bunch of kennels, you know, kennel staff, vets, vet techs, things like that. You know, get a big 2,000-acre ranch and have – yeah, a ton of dogs well taken care of. So, you know, when something like Harvey happens, right? Right. Like, like there's overflow for these dogs to go. So different philanthropic, you know, uh, things like that, helping different uh, countries that are struggling. Um, so you must like uh, the dog whisperer. I mean, Cesar Milan. Yeah, I love dogs, man. I'm a big dog guy. Yeah. Yeah, we got two dogs at home. I got a pit bull, and then uh, I just bought my girl a mini Frenchie uh, for Christmas. So, yeah, we, we love dogs. Man, I, I love that show. Uh, and that guy, he communicates with dogs at at such level yeah uh you know he's really a master of neuro-linguistics programming for dogs right and 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 what he does with his dogs man that are in in like you know distress situations because they're with the wrong you know owners or or they're on the streets or whatnot it's really remarkable so when you mention what your what what your vision is for that ranch it brings brings him back right away because it's kind of like he's helping dogs, you know, become better dogs. Uh, yeah. And, and he's also working on the owners as well mm-hmm. to make sure they're treating their dogs right. So, Nick, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, thank you for coming. How do people get in contact with you? Uh, you can just find me on Instagram, at Nick Perry, R-E-I. Uh, pretty accessible there on Facebook. I know I'm kind of capped out on friends, but Instagram's good. Nick Perry, R-E-I, you can get me on there. Perfect. Uh don't forget to hit, hit share, like, and subscribe, man. Um, go find Nick. He's doing great things in the in the wholesaling space. And um, I'll see you on the next one. Bye.